0: Good morning again. Um, We're glad that you're here with us on this Sunday. Uh, We're continuing our summer series looking at the stories of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told. Um, We've been looking at the teaching of Jesus through looking at the parables this summer. Uh, The parables comprise a third of Jesus' teaching as a whole, and this morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, uh, 1 to 23, a very familiar parable. Uh, It's kind of an introductory parable, the first in a series of eight that are in Matthew 13. And after the disciples hear it, they ask Jesus, why do you teach in parables anyway? Um, one of the things that makes this parable really unique is that it's one of only two times um, in the Gospels where Jesus actually explains this parable. So we can't really screw this one up this morning, um, if that's your takeaway. Um, so this parable this morning and, and all of, of Jesus' parables are really invitations to us to investigate uh, what Jesus is saying, to enter into the story, to be caught up in it, to let it go to work on us, to either be softened unto faith and repentance or to be hardened by it. Uh, In the movie, uh, White Men Can't Jump, it's it's happening. Um, There's a scene where where Billy Hoyle, who's played by Woody Harrelson, he's driving in his convertible, and... His girlfriend is in the front seat, and Wesley Snipes, his new friend, is in the back seat. And Billy puts a tape in the tape deck. Um, And it's before CDs, it's before the iPod. So he puts a tape into the tape deck, and Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix starts playing over the speakers. And Wesley Snipes looks confused in the back seat, and he asks, what's this? And Billy answers, Jimi Hendrix. And Wesley says, no, I know who it is, but why are you playing Jimi? Billy responds, because I like to listen to him. And Wesley Snipes frustratedly laughs and says, now that's the problem. You like to listen to him. You're supposed to hear it. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And the great theologian Wesley Snipes in that movie really brings us to our passage this morning. Um, There's a difference between hearing and listening. A lot of people in Jesus' day, a lot of people today hear Jesus, listen to Jesus, sorry, they listen to Jesus, they gather around him, Um, they listen to the gospel message of the kingdom, of the forgiveness of sins, of his reign and rule over all of creation and the renewal of the world, and yet many don't hear, they don't understand, they don't take it in and let it soak in and transform them. So the question for all of us this morning is how do you listen? Do you like Billy? Do you just listen or do you hear Jesus? Do you understand with your hearts? Because when we do hear and understand, we see Jesus for who he really is, not who we think he is or want him to be, and we turn to him and as we'll see in the passage, we're healed. So let's now, let's turn to hear the King's word this morning from Matthew 13. Uh, This is God's word given for his glory and for our good. Please read along with me. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him and he got, that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the, sea, the soil was shallow, but when the sun came, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a 160 or 30 times what was sown. Please pray with me. Father, we ask that you would meet with us now. Uh, Give us ears to hear. Help us to see you and to understand your word. Soften our hearts. Help them not to become hard from sin or cynicism. Uh, root out the rocks and the thorns in our lives, Father. Give us good soil so that we might listen and bear fruit in your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in seminary, uh, I was working at the Kirk of the Hills with the student ministry there in St. Louis, and we used to play this game called My Big Black Frying Plan. Um, and I'll give you just a little bit of background so that you can understand the madness that is involved in it. Uh, the game goes like this: you have a like a defined group of people who are playing, and then one person is kind of it, and they say, "In my big black frying pan, I have, and then they name off a few things: I have that candle, I have the communion bread, I have raised piano um, and then everyone's trying to think about who the person that uh, the the person with the frying pan is is describing using the contents of the frying pan. And so everyone would be thinking, and then you'd say, okay, one, two, three, and then you'd say the name of the person that you're thinking of. Um, So it's just chaos, and it's frustrating. And we played it for three hours on this one bus trip going to camp, and I never figured it out. And I was angry and hostile, and wanted to fight all the students and wanted to fight the leaders that were there um, and It was so frustrating because the secret of the game was concealed from me. Um, the game really only made sense to the people who already knew how to play it for everyone else. you either didn't care and you made fun of it, or you tried to play, and then you got frustrated and you quit because you were angry or You played and you got too worked up about it, and you never really got to enjoy the game. Um, Or, you engaged it. You worked to understand the game, and then finally, once the secret was revealed to you, it freed you to really enjoy it. It's really a, a picture of what Jesus is doing and communicating and revealing to us this morning through the parable of the sower. Jesus is showing his disciples, is showing us that there are are really four ways to respond to his word, to the gospel message of his kingdom. And when you boil it down, though, there's really only two. There's two responses. Either you embrace Jesus as king and savior, and you hear with ears of faith and understand his message, and you respond with true belief and true repentance, and the result is fruitfulness, or you don't understand. You're not healed, and you're not fruitful. So the question that we need to be continually asking ourselves this morning is this. How am I hearing? Which soil truly describes me? So we're going to walk through this passage this morning, and we're going to look at three things just really quickly. First, we're going to look at the purpose of parables. Um, I know it's like the fourth week, so it's kind of weird to do that now, but we're doing it. We're going to look at the purpose of parables. And then second, we're going to look at the problems of the unfruitful soil and then third, we're going to look at the priority of fruitfulness. So first, what's, what is the purpose of parables? So parables, as we've been looking at, they're these earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. On the surface, it just seems like a story. And in, in, in the passage, Jesus gets in a boat. He creates an impromptu amphitheater on this lake so everyone can hear him. And he tells this odd story about seeds and a sower and four kinds of soil, but it really would have connected with this first-century Palestinian agrarian society. It would have made sense to them. It doesn't make sense to us, but it would have made sense to them. And then, either in the boat or later on the land, the disciples in verse 10, they ask Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? It seems like you're being confusing and evasive on purpose, Jesus. It seems like you're being cagey. And... It's so sweet that they ask that question, because don't we feel like that sometimes? We read or we hear sermons, and we hear Jesus is often asked a direct question, and the way he answers, it seems like he's not even listening. Um, and so thank God the disciples ask him, and we have his answer here. Um, the purpose of, of the parables is, is this, to simultaneously conceal and reveal the truth about the message of God's kingdom. So to simultaneously conceal and reveal the truth about the message of God's kingdom. Jesus quotes Isaiah here and says, Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear and understand. In them, this prophecy, in them is the crowds. This prophecy is fulfilled. You you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. We're honest. We hear that, and we go, that's not very helpful, Jesus. That's not a real good answer. Um, But we need to pull back a little bit and understand the context of what's happening. If you look back at verse 1, verse 1 begins that same day. And so we have to ask, what day? What happened that day uh, that they've been brought to this point? So we need to look back at chapter 12 to see what's happened and brought them to this place. Jesus has just healed a man on the Sabbath, and now he's being accused, and he's being challenged by the Pharisees because they think he's a sinner. They think he's a blasphemer. And now from this point on, Matthew says, they're plotting to kill Jesus. Then Jesus heals a mute and a blind man who's been demon-possessed. The people are astonished, and they say, Could this be the son of David? Could this be the one we've been waiting for? And the Pharisees answer, no. It's by the prince of demons that this man drives out demons. He's evil, and he's from the devil. So, Jesus begins teaching in parables to conceal the truth of the gospel here, not to be cagey, but because people are trying to discredit him with the crowd. People are trying to discredit him with the Roman government, so it's hard to discredit what you don't understand. He's protecting himself from some degree from the outsiders that would oppose him until the proper time when he's ready to go to the cross. So when the disciples ask him, why are you teaching in parables? And he answers with this prophecy from Isaiah. He's in one sense saying, I'm veiling the truth because if I heal the sick and I instruct the ignorant and you then curse me and you blaspheme the work of God, then I will give you nothing more and what you have will be taken away from you but they also reveal the secrets of the kingdom or the mysteries of the kingdom. And what is a secret or a mystery in the New Testament? It's a truth that no one could figure out on their own apart from God revealing it to them. It's something you couldn't find out on your own. Jesus has to reveal it to you. And the great mystery, the great secret is this. It's Jesus himself, the son of God, 100% God, 100% man, the king of the universe, come to earth to begin to perform His mighty deeds that testify that He is the Messiah, that He's the one that would come to rescue the people from their greatest need, from their sin, and that He would renew and that He would recreate every square inch of creation, that He would one day do away completely with sin and death and evil and sickness and sadness and mourning and injustice and pain. So the one who has... Is the person who already knows the person and work of Jesus and wants to know more. The one who does not have has seen the same events, but neither cares nor believes. So, like my silly game I talked about at the beginning, my big black frying pan, it's really for those who understand the game to begin with. Jesus' parables give to those who have. They're graphic, they're vivid, they're memorable. They're disarming to the listeners. They draw you in. They're realistic, and yet they're strange. So they provoke you to think. So if you're listening with ears of faith, they engage your mind. And the listener is actually eager to finish the story and to seek understanding. It lowers your defenses so that you're ready to accept the difficult and yet life-changing truth that Jesus has to offer. Every parable, like we said earlier, is an opportunity to either be softened unto faith or hardened unto judgment. So with this parable of the sower, Jesus is actually illustrating what has just happened during the past events of the day. And so those that believe and follow and love Jesus, they're the ones that get to have the parable explained to them. To the crowds, it's just a story. To the disciples, it's actually the truth of God's kingdom. And they don't get everything, They but they want to understand. And so what do they do with their questions? When they have them, they bring them to Jesus. So the question for us is, what about us? What do we do? How do you listen? What happens when you don't understand? Where do you go with your questions and your concerns and your fears and your confusion? Do you take them to Jesus and to his word, or do you go somewhere else with them? So it's, Look now, we've seen the the purpose of parables. Let's look now at the the problems of the unfruitful soils. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. In verse 18, Jesus begins to explain the parable. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and we're going to stop there because we're going to force this part down, um, here we see who the sower is and what the seed is. Um, The sower is primarily Jesus. But then later on, by extension, it's, it's really anyone who's preaching or spreading his gospel message. And the seed is the message of the kingdom. We've kind of already hit on that a little bit with the secrets of the kingdom, but what is the message of the, of the kingdom? It is the forgiveness of sins, but it's so, so much more than that. The message of the kingdom is the gospel message that we, you and I, live in a broken and in a fallen world. But the king has come. And he's going to renew and he's going to redeem all things, every square inch of this world. And he is going to do away with sin and death and sickness and crying and injustice and mourning and evil. He's literally going to bring heaven to earth. At its core, it's the power of God come into the world to heal and renew and transform all of life. So that's the message that Jesus is talking about here. So, verse 19, Jesus continues, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So those who are the soil that is the path are, are deaf listeners. They're hardened. They're unreceptive to the world. Most, most closely in the context of the original story, these are the Pharisees and those who oppose Jesus even though they're seeing God's kingdom in action, even though the deaf are hearing and the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and the prisoner is being set free, they see no need. And so they dismiss Jesus as a whole and all of his teaching. They're content to not understand. They don't want to be helped. Uh, A seminary professor of mine, Dan Doriani, tells a story um, about a book on punctuation called Eats, comma, shoots and leaves. Some of you have heard this before. Uh, The title comes from a sign outside of a zoo, um, outside of a panda exhibit at a zoo, and the sign should read, eats, shoots, and leaves. No comma, meaning that the panda eats two things, shoots and leaves. Um, But because of the misplaced comma on the sign, it draws to mind this picture of a panda who goes to a restaurant, eats, and then pulls out a gun and fires a couple rounds in the air and then flees the scene of the crime. So uh, this book becomes a bestseller, and one day a, a woman comes to meet the author um, at this book signing, and she says to, to the author, oh, I'd love to learn about punctuation. Well, then the author laughed and said, well, this book's for you then. And she picked up her pen, she's ready to sign it for her, and the other woman replied as if the author disagreed with her and was being hostile. And she's like, no, I mean it. I would really love to know how to do it. I learned it in school, but I've forgotten now, and I put everything in the wrong place. So the author kind of nods and smiles and says, well, you know, should I sign this to anyone in particular? But the woman just keeps on with her complaint and her sad story, and she's like, and I'm a teacher, and I'm quite ashamed, really, so I'd love to know about punctuation, but you know, there's just nowhere you can turn. And the author's just sitting there, like, dumbfounded, because she has this best-selling book on how to use punctuation, um... And so what we see is that, that some people refuse to, to listen. Some people refuse to be helped. Um, the answer is right there in front of them, but they refuse to engage it, and so they leave in despair with their head down. Uh, there's a quote in the front of your bulletin, also by Doriani, who says, people call out for the truth, perhaps even a word from God. They pray, say something if you are out there, but God has already exceeded this request. He visited our earth, spoke, acted, lived in perfect justice and love, died, rose, and moved his servants to write it in a book so that we can reread his word should we ever forget the message. Furthermore, this book has been translated in your own tongue. You can purchase a copy and consult it whenever you wish. This you tell to a friend, and he replies, but I want God to speak to me. Well, he has. But you must listen. The seed that falls on the hardened path is cynical. Jesus and his message is just a theory. It hasn't become personal. It's not a relationship. There's been no experience of of personhood involved. They haven't heard God's word and felt like they've been waking up from a deep sleep. They haven't experienced what it's like to, to see God's word in action and to have scales fall off your eyes to be opened up to see the beauty and the goodness and truth of the gospel. They haven't had that aha moment where you understand Jesus' mercy and grace and call on your life. They're hardened, and they're deaf to the word. So let's turn and look at the the rocky soil, verse 20. Um, This is the superficial listener, the shallow listener. Verse 20 says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this soil is the person who's only had the emotional experience, but they're not rooted in Jesus and his word. So Jesus says literally they can't take the heat. When trouble, when persecution, when suffering comes because of following Jesus, they give up and they say, what use is this? So fall away there literally means to take offense. So trouble, suffering, persecution, which Jesus says that if we are his and we are following him, we should expect it in this life. When this comes, this soil gets upset and angry. And they turn and they look at Jesus and they say, I thought life was supposed to be easy now that I'm yours. I thought things were supposed to get better. They didn't want a king to rule them and a savior to rescue them from their need, from their sin. Rather, they want a God that's like a vending machine or a genie. Someone who just dispenses blessing after blessing according to what they think they want or what they think they need. In one sense, they're, they're not trying to enter into Jesus' kingdom and operate according to his plans and his priorities and his purposes. They're trying to get Jesus to enter into their kingdom and operate according to their plans and their priorities and their purposes. So Jesus really is kind of shooting a preemptive strike against the prosperity gospel here. The rocks. The rocks in this soil, are those things that you really want more than Jesus. And so they keep the word from getting rooted deep within your soil. And because this person doesn't want, or doesn't get what they want, they can't stand the heat when it comes. And so they don't possess true belief. They don't possess true repentance, as we'll sing later today. And they don't produce fruit. They say, bless me, or else I'm leaving. So these are the shallow and the superficial listeners. So the third problematic soil um, comes in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is the distracted listener. This is the, the listener with a divided heart. Here the soil seems fine. It's not hardened like the path. It doesn't have rocks in it preventing deep roots from growing. But the soil has competition for the seed. And that competition chokes out the ability to bear fruit. The listener hears and understands the word, but gets caught up in the affairs and cares and the anxieties of this world. If you and I are honest, there is a lot to worry about and to be consumed with in this world, with with worry, with our anxiety, with the cares of this world, and these aren't giving themselves wholly to Jesus. They're fighting for control of their life. So so we need to ask the question, is Jesus really the Lord of my life? Is he really in control? Does he get to say mine to everything about you? In uh, one of my favorite hymns is when I survey the wondrous cross and there's this awesome line that closes the hymn that says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. When the gospel message takes root in our hearts, this becomes the cry of our hearts. But the divided listener, the distracted heart, can't say that. So another way to think about this is what are the things that Jesus can't touch in in your life? What are the things that you say, no, Lord, you can't have that. You don't get to speak into this. What's crowding Jesus out? It could be our work. It could be our relationships. It could be um, our pursuit of, of money. It could be uh, our whether we have it and we want more of it or we don't have any of it and we want more of it. Um, it could be fear. It could be our, our politics. It could be um, the, the decisions that leaders are making around us. It could be our sexuality. Um, it could be our ethical behavior at work or in school. You know, what are the things that, that rule you, that vie for your affections and your time and your energy and your efforts, what people think about you, what people write about you, what people um, say about you, your reputation? The problem with, with this third soil, according to Jesus here, is that the seed is not bearing fruit. This person is often miserable because they're unsure of where they are spiritually because the competitions in their heart are choking out the gospel and, and their ability to be fruitful for God's kingdom. Parents with, with young children, you know when you get begrudging obedience from your children. You know that when you ask them to do something and they do it with gritted teeth, you know that you don't have their heart. You know that, that they're obeying but you don't have your, their heart in that moment. And that's what we need to give our God, our whole heart, because of God's goodness and grace shown to us through Jesus, not because of anything that's good in us or anything good that we've done, but so that some, we can say and sing with truth, love so amazing, so divine, you can have my heart, you can have my soul, you can have my life, you can have my all. So if this is where you find yourself this morning, I encourage you to go home, look at Psalm 86, verse 11, and make this the prayer of your heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart that I might fear your name. And this brings us to our our final soil, to our final point, um, the priority of fruitfulness. Uh, Fruitfulness is is the goal for the sower. It's the goal for Jesus here. It's the goal for those following Jesus, for those who hear and understand his gospel message for those who respond with eyes and ears of faith. Um, Verse 23 says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Everything in this parable would have been understandable to uh, some degree to the original hearers, but this part, the part about the fruitful crop that is produced, this would have been utterly shocking to the original hearers. This would have captured their attention because a yield... For a typical harvest of 10 to 1, that would be completely successful. 30 to 1 is amazing. 60 to 1 is spectacular, and 100 to 1 is unheard of and is miraculous. So the good soil, this is where we want to be in the story. We want to have hearts. We should want to have hearts that are soft, that are teachable, that are not hardened by cynicism and hostility or dismissiveness, or sin. Or hearts that are rocky, that wither under the heat. Or a divided heart, where the competition from our misplaced desires overrule and overpower Jesus' gospel message. The one that has a heart of good soil here doesn't just listen to the message of grace. They hear it. They investigate it. They take it in deeply, and they engage it, and they understand it, and they give themselves completely over to it. This person, because of the impact of the good news of the gospel, the transformation of the Holy Spirit slowly over time, but surely grows and bears fruit. This fruit may appear quickly and pop up overnight, or it might take a long time to develop. But they become eventually more generous with their money and their stuff because it doesn't rule them. It's kingdom capital used for God's glory and for his good in his world. We begin to understand that hospitality isn't just entertaining, but it's inviting people into your brokenness and sharing your life and your home and your stuff with those who are hurting and those who are needing. A harsh and a judgmental person engages with the grace and the patience of Jesus and becomes more long-suffering over time. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice he doesn't say they're fruits of the Spirit. They're one fruit. And so to some degree, the fruitful listener, the one who understands and responds to the gospel message of Jesus with true belief and true repentance, will be growing in each of these areas in their life. We don't get to say, well, I'm I'm joyful and I'm peaceful, but I don't have gentleness and I don't have self-control. That's not what the, the, the plant gets to say. The soils that don't produce fruit are of no good to the sower. A farmer that's growing wheat wants wheat. He doesn't want shoots and leaves. Fruitfulness is what the sower, is what Jesus is after. So this morning, he's inviting us to ask ourselves, what kind of soil am I? What kind of listener are you? What, how would you label yourself? How would, how would those who are closest to you see you? Are you hard and deaf? Are you superficial and shallow? Are you distracted and divided? Or are you fruitful? Are you satisfied with being that kind of listener? If you're deaf and if you're hardened, would you like to hear and be softened? Pray that God would open your ears and do the difficult work of softening your heart. If you're superficial and shallow, do you, do you want to sober up and go deeper? Ask the Lord to remove the rocks that are preventing you from true belief and true repentance so that you might be rooted and secure in him when the heat comes. Are you distracted? Are you divided? Ask the Lord for clarity. To tear out the thorns and the worries and the concerns that are choking out his gospel and ask for a united heart so that you might be fruitful for him and his kingdom. Or are you fruitful? Give thanks. To our God. Ask God for humility and for the strength to continue to rest in Him and to use your fruit, not for your own benefit, but for those around you. That your fruit might be part of the renewal and the transformation of this world in bringing heaven to earth and entering into the broken and dark places to bring life and hope and light and grace and justice. So wherever we find ourselves this morning, remember how the gospel of the kingdom comes to us. The truth that Jesus came, that He lived the perfect life, that He died on the cross wearing a crown of thorns, buried under a rock, but after three days there was fruitfulness, and it came in His resurrection. And now He's in the business of making all things new, reversing the effects of the fall, ridding every single square inch of this earth of evil and death and darkness and sickness and pain. The message comes gently, as a seed, easily, ignored. It comes as a whisper, not as a shout. Jesus comes as a sower, not as a military commander. Some of us would prefer a hammer and swords, loud shouts against sin and commands for reform. And hammer sometimes can be useful, but let's not pretend to be wiser than God, who brings his kingdom, who promises to transform this world and your heart and your life, not with swords, But with words, this kingdom that is completely upside down and makes no sense, if we're honest, does not come through compulsion, but comes through death. Through Jesus losing his life to defeat sin and death. And he invites you this morning to lose your life, to let the seed grow in your heart and see what kind of mighty trees and fruitfulness he produces through you. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. Uh, We thank you for your word and your teaching to the crowds and the disciples and to us. We thank you that we got to hear a private conversation this morning where you show us our need of you. Father, we pray that you would help us to, to hear your word to be changed and transformed by it, that you would soften our hearts and that you would help us to produce fruit, not out of our labors, but because of yours. Um, The seed does nothing, or the soil does nothing. uh, The seed does the work. And so, Father, we pray that you would open us up to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to our time of communion.